You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Marta Papivota. Marta, thanks so much for being with me today. Thank you for the invitation. Marta, I know you're talking to me from Belgrade, but are often between Berlin and Belgrade. So since we're talking on April 21st in 2021, I just wanted to ask you, how is the, um, how is the situation with the pandemic there and, and, and travel as it, as it could pertain to just right now, but also how it's affected your work? Uh, yes, definitely affected my work uh, in many ways. I mean, definitely less travel, uh, which is <laughs> at the same time nice, but also sad. I don't know, because my new film is uh, on the festival run uh, these days, so I, I'm not, uh, it's not possible for me to, to follow the film. But in terms of the pandemic in Serbia, it's quite, I mean... Um, yeah, strange situation because there is a lot of vaccines, so it's possible to get vaccinated and many people are get, getting vaccinated, but also many people are not getting vaccinated uh, because of like different reasons. You know, they don't believe in the vaccines or they are problematizing <laughs> this uh, uh, situation. Uh, while in Germany, um, uh, I came to Belgrade actually to get vaccinated here uh, because in Germany it goes uh, uh, very slow. So uh, I don't see that in some foreseeable future I will get vaccinated there. So I decided to, to come to Belgrade and do it here. And I think it's quite nice to have a possibility to get vaccinated when you can. Tomorrow, actually, I'm traveling uh, to uh, back to Germany for the German premiere of my new film at the Go East Festival. And um, yeah, this is the... Uh, first festival that I will be attending <laughs> with my film. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yes. So let's talk about that, that, that festival and the, and the film. Um, what will happen to that festival? The, the, the film will be screened there and... Uh, yes, I mean, uh, earlier this year, in uh, January, uh, beginning actually of February, we had the world premiere of the film at Rotterdam Film Festival, and the plan was that the festival would have this hybrid uh, form, so um, um, like uh, projections in cinema, but also online, but at the end, because of the uh, yeah situation with the pandemic in, in the Netherlands, um, they had to change the plan and do it um, online only. So, um, yeah, uh, and uh, this was happening in the last uh, yeah, two months with, uh, um, I mean, other festivals. And this is the first festival now where I will travel as, a, as an artist and filmmaker. And um, in Germany, the situation is, um, yeah, the numbers are rising and it's still kind of closed, but they will make a kind of projections, closed projections for the festival guests and for the um, uh, press, um, yeah, but audience, regular audience will still be able to see the film only through the stream, streaming uh, platform. So I want to talk about your film, but let's talk about that process <coughs> a little bit because that's such a kind of odd thing that happened in the pandemic where festivals are a hybrid form and, yeah. and of course it's it seems so important to the medium that film be be projected um so 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 what do you think about this is there is there you know the the medium of, of film mm. it seems to me should be viewed projected of course 
you know, so many people are, are seeing films, historic films and current films uh, streamed, you know, with or without the pandemic. Do you feel it changes the, the experience dramatically of it? Because you're, you're going to a festival where, as you're saying, people are seeing it in both ways. Some are seeing it yeah. streamed and some are seeing it um, projected. I mean, I think definitely changes the experience, but I don't see. Uh, I mean, I don't see that one experience is uh, necessarily much better than the other one, because uh, of course, ideally, I mean, films are uh, should be seen in in the cinema on the big screen, uh, in a collective experience. Uh, but uh, because nowadays it's not possible, and um, um, yeah, I think it's. I mean, people's lives are much more <laughs> important than uh, film premieres. Uh, so I, um, I, for example, respected very much this decision of the Rotterdam Film Festival to to do it only um, through the streaming because the situation there was um, uh, becoming dramatic in terms of the the numbers. Um, and um, yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I decided to be kind of practical about it because, on the other hand, much more people can see the film. Uh, potentially the film films are being streamed so I see also that uh, in the future we will have actually hybrid festivals because I, I think also festivals see the potential in this hybrid form uh, because um, not just people from Rotterdam or international press or professionals who come to Rotterdam uh, in the beginning of the year could see the film for example there but everyone in the Netherlands could see it so uh, it was a kind of also nice side side of it. So yeah, I was happy about that. For example, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because that's as it, artists, that's we, we just want to our films to be seen. <laughs> so yeah, right. It's interesting how it's affected other other mediums. <clears throat> I know that with theater, um, there's been some companies in the United States that have said, you know, of course there was, there was no theater, so they did online. Uh, some streaming things and they said you know theaters are used to regional audiences and so for the first mm -hmm. time they were getting national and international audiences and it was shocking to them because that's mm. not what they're used to or what theater is about and and although you know they're moving back to just live theater they can't help but think that there's something to the live streaming that that could be a hybrid form in the future so uh Yes, yeah, I mean, what coming. happened with the Rotterdam, for example, it, it was quite interesting because uh, usually partly Rotterdam overlaps with Sundance. So, for example, international press needs to decide where to go. <laughs> so uh, this time, I think there was much more coverage uh, uh, on the side of the both festivals because uh, because it was possible to, you know, stay at home and watch all these films um, uh, in both uh, festivals, which bring uh, quite um, interesting and powerful lineups. So I think there are also good sides, sides to it. But definitely we should not forget uh, <laughs> to watch films in, in the cinema in a collective situation because it's a, it's a very specific experience. And I would say maybe with films we are in a big, bit better position than theater because, you know, theater, it's a, it's a live, live art form. So I think being present there with other bodies uh, and seeing bodies on stage, uh, uh, I think, yeah, it's part of the medium. And with film, um, yeah, it's part of the experience, but not necessarily of the medium because it's anyhow like um, um, 
you know, something which is fixed uh, in time. Right, right. So let's let's um, <clears throat> let's talk about your film. This is your first feature documentary. No, so this, this is, is my uh, no. This is my second feature documentary. Uh, first feature documentary I, I made uh, several years ago. It was um, it's called uh, Yugoslavia: How Ideology Moved Our Collective Body. This first film premiered in uh, at the Berlinale and um, later was screened really like many um, international film festivals um, around the globe. Right. And um, for the U.S., I mean it's. Um, um, yeah, it's, it's in um, MoMA's collection, that film, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, 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 yes. that, that's got an enormous amount of attention, and so, um, yeah. yeah, how, does, how, how one, does the new film, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, uh, the new film, yeah, just uh, came out beginning of the year, I worked on it for uh, actually over 10 years, uh, I mean, on and off, not, uh, uh, not uh, con- I mean, not all the time. Um, the, the, the new film is called Landscapes of Resistance, and um, it traces a journey through the memories of the anti-fascist fighter from the Second World War, Sonia Vujanovic, um, who was also uh, one of the first partisan women in uh, uh, Yugoslavia. Um, and she, uh, as a political prisoner, ended up in different um, uh, Nazi concentration camps, but also in Auschwitz at the end of her journey. And there she um, she actually joined self-organized resistance and became one of the uh, leaders of its combat unit. Um, so, yeah, her, her story <laughs> is very powerful and for me also important uh, in this specific moment. Uh, which we are uh, living in. Um, I would say that my films, both of my uh, feature films, but also uh, my work in general, uh, uh, deals very much with this tension between memory and history. And um, um, it's not uh, just about history, it's about the history uh, uh, that we want to invest in our future. So this um, Benjaminian gesture of um, tigers leap into uh, into the future, um, and that's why I mean for me this film it's not a historical film it's a, it's a, it's much more about the um, yeah what we can do today as citizens if we have a privilege to be citizens how we can activate politically how we can self educate ourselves and uh, become partisans I mean com- contemporary partisans um, yeah yeah not, yeah. So, yeah, in, in this so, new film... Uh-huh. Yeah, and in the new film, yeah, let's, let's talk about that more. Her story sounds extraordinary. So, you know, in, in relation to, you know, as you're saying, you know, contemporary resistance mm-hmm. and culture, if, um, if you can be part of that. Um, I, I don't know much about resistance, you know, within Auschwitz. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about that and, and her story? Because that sounds... Extraordinary. I've and I've yeah. I've read uh, in, even in terms of memory, and I've I've read different things about the concentration camps, from you know Viktor Frankl to to Primo Levi, who mm. you know, who talks about memory being um, uh, kind of almost impossible to rely on, you know, in in in, in Auschwitz and camps. I mean, according to Primo Levi, because as he said the best of us died, and meaning mm. you know those who were kind of trying not to look, trying not to notice, were the ones who survived. Mm-hmm. And he said, so we're, we're the worst witnesses. I mean, his work is, of mm-hmm. course, very, very upsetting in some ways. So 
you know, hearing about resistance in Auschwitz, mm-hmm. how, how did that work? What was she joining? What, what happened? Yeah, uh, I think many people outside of Germany don't know that resistance, uh, you know, was possible in Auschwitz. Uh, Of course, it was not possible for everyone because she was there as a political prisoner. So in a way, she knew why she was there. Uh, And also she was, uh, in a way, uh, privileged prisoner because many um, Jewish prisoners uh, went directly uh, to the, uh, you know, crematorium and they didn't have an opportunity to resist. This is very important difference, uh, you know, to mention. Uh, she was there as a political prisoner, so, so uh, the treatment was uh, a bit different. And for me, actually, in her story, what was uh, very uh, uh, powerful was this idea that resistance is almost always possible because this is uh, when I when I met Sonia when I uh, heard her story for the first time um, definitely uh, what drew me to it in one I mean in one hand it was um, uh, how powerful and suggestive storyteller she, she is but also this feeling that she evoked in me and I think um, also in other people uh, who listen to her stories is that uh, resistance is always possible and I think somehow that we also need this today to understand that we can always, almost always let's say, resist and uh, choose uh, uh, to resist and do something about our uh, particular situations, even of course, maybe we will not be su- successful. And Sonia was not. Sh- I mean, resistance movement in Auschwitz was not successful at the end, uh, but it existed and it helped them to survive because they knew um, that um, they are doing something about the situation they are in. Um, and we always consider you know Auschwitz as a as a um, like super totalitarian space where where nothing was possible so um, i think at least for me it was a powerful uh, revelation to understand that even there uh, something like this was possible so definitely we need to activate and politicize ourselves and um, uh, you know do do something about contemporary fascism but uh, to talk uh, more concretely about um, resistance in in Auschwitz uh, actually there were a few um, resistances i mean th- there was few attempts to re- to resist to, uh, um, um, not as individual but like organized there were few attempts and few moments uh, when organized resistance uh, was active in the camp um and uh, she was uh, she was also uh, I mean she was in the women's part of the camp uh, so she was part of this um, um, organized resistance in the women's camp but they were in direct communication with the uh, other part of the camp where where men were and they were collaborating and the idea was that um, they mapped the space and that they um, actually um, provide these maps to the to the Polish partisans who uh, wanted to invade the camp and actually liberate it, um, and one of the one of the Polish partisans uh, even um, infiltrated in Auschwitz and was there as a prisoner in order to support the resistance. So, but there were also well, well, that, 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 that's incredible. So that's an incredible story. <laughs> so, yes. so there was even someone in, in there, part of the Polish resistance, who 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 somehow was not meant to be a prisoner but was but was a 
acting as a prisoner in order to enable the resistance? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so this is an extraordinary story. Um, I mean, I, I think I, 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 I stopped you, but you can continue if you like. This, this, um, this continued to, to go on. There was a, what was the aim of the resistance? And I mean, if I'm not giving away the movie too much, I'd, I'd, I'd love to know more I about mean, that. Uh, because actually, is, yeah. yeah, actually, I mean, the, the, the film is not just about this Auschwitz part. It's just one of the stories. Uh, for me, actually, what was even more interesting, I mean, um, uh, somehow is how you become a partisan, how you, uh, how you politicize, how you, uh, you know, uh, become a anti-fascist fighter, especially when you come from a more privileged position as Sonia was coming from. So uh, this is what I was mostly interesting, uh, interested in um, because somehow, uh, yeah, uh, I miss these kind of stories um, uh, from, uh, from yeah, contemporary public sphere. Uh, so yeah, I was interested in that. So Auschwitz's end of her journey uh, and uh, one of the stories uh, that uh, she has. But uh, basically in the film, maybe uh, the, the main directorial um, gesture was uh, actually to give space to her stories and then confront them with the landscapes of uh, where the event of her stories happened uh, and visit them today, how they look today. Um, this is one like cinematic aspect uh, which is important for, for the film. Um, so I, I was thinking in uh, uh, in uh, this landscape cinema paradigm and trying to contribute to it. Um, I also had a lot of like references to constructivism and uh, cubism from visual arts because I wanted to investigate um, uh, and solve a problem, let's say cinematic problem, uh, how you can inhabit a landscape with different uh, perspectives of or gazes at the same time. And this directly came from uh, my exchange uh, and collaboration with Anna Vujanovic, uh, who is uh, actually my colleague uh, and, uh, and partner, um, uh, who is the co-writer of this film and dramaturg of uh, this film. Uh, and actually in the film there is uh, uh, this, this contemporary layer where we as a couple uh, actually reveal our political position and why we are making this film today. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of bridge to 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 Sonia's experience and her story, uh, not in order to compare ourselves with her uh, or her experience, but uh, to really show who we are, uh, why we are making uh, you know uh, this film today, and why this is important to us. Uh, one very important aspect of the film is definitely also what uh, Svetlana Alexievich is saying. I mean, is calling womanly side of the war because um, um, we don't have uh, so many films which are uh, actually telling these stories from a female perspective and um, and how is it to be a, a woman? Uh, uh, what is the womanly experience of the of the war? You know, everydayness of the war. What was yeah important for them? Um, and definitely, it's not also what is important for me to say is that it's okay. We have one strong, uh, powerful um, uh, female character, but she she also it's not a classical um, character-driven documentary uh, because she always 
um, tells her stories in a way uh, that she places her body with other bodies, <laughs> you know, uh, and other, I mean, her comrades, uh, her her friends and people that she met on her journey. Um, and actually for her, um, um, this experience of war was about solidarity, about collectivism, about, uh, you know, not about one and only true hero. Um, so um, these are all, like, important aspects uh, uh, for, for this film and for her story because she always talks about how she was part of a collective body um, of uh, partisan resistance and how she politicized herself and that's why she knew what she was doing and why she joined the struggle and why, I mean, the things that uh, she experienced, like the horrific things uh, happened to her and um, in a way she wanted to survive in order to tell, tell this story. That's fascinating, and uh, which is something like Victor Frankl, of course, talks about wanting to survive to tell this story. But mm -hmm. to talk about what, what what you mentioned also with your partner and the end of the and, and and kind of that kind of reflection on the film sounds like a, also a type of uh, cinema verite almost technique, right? To to also reveal the filmmakers and and who and who you are, and also what your as you say political position is. I mean, was mm. that designed to, to also give kind of transparency to the process of this film? Um, and and uh, was it also to, to, to directly encourage people to, to take action? Yeah, definitely it was <laughs> to directly encourage people. I mean, also to, to um, um, I mean, we did it because her story is so so strong and uh, and uh, captivating in a way, uh, and uh, her story creates really images in your head because she's capable of telling about past events without hindsight, and this is really something very special. You know, not everyone has this uh, capability, so we wanted to give space to her story. So our intervention is quite discreet because how we inscribe ourselves. Uh, uh, in the film is through this working diary that Anna was writing over the course of these 10 years, where, where we actually reflect on um, our, I mean, relation to her, how, how, I mean, also the political situation in Serbia back then, uh, also uh, this, um, uh, you know, decision to move from Serbia to Germany or to Berlin, which is a kind of... Um, quite, uh, I mean, how she reacted to this as well, but also what it means to live in Germany today, because, you know, we have still, um, you know, um, and even, I mean, stronger and stronger class society in Europe, and um, uh, Germany is one of the, I mean, richest country in Europe, and um, definitely... Um, um, is part of this uh, exploitation on the borders of your of the countries on the borders of Europe where Serbia belongs. So it's um, it's also like a kind of controversial uh, situation. And um, one our decision to move to to Germany was also because we we wanted to to have an opportunity to live. Uh, more freely as a, as a queer couple, um, um, but then also, I mean, it's a privilege, you know, and we need to also be aware of it, and that's why we wanted to inscribe this uh, in the film and reflect um, uh, the political context we are, we are, I mean, coming from or living in.
Because the political context of, of being a queer couple, as you're saying, also has its has its ramifications in different in different countries mm. and in terms of of, uh, of political action. Correct. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we were, um, I mean, we were living in Serbia for for several years as a couple and also as a leftist activist uh, here. We were uh, really, I mean, also believing after after the fall of Milosevic that uh, it's possible to 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 change and transform this society. Um, but also after some time, we also felt a bit tired of it. Uh, so yeah, we wanted to give space uh, uh, to to, for example, films, not just activism. So. Yeah, yeah, it's um, um, it's a yeah, it's a personal decision, but which also has a kind of um, political origins and also consequences. Um, um, and in a way, they they become a part of the film. Thank you, Marta. I'm I'm so interested in the film, and I hope those who can will will see it and or stream it, whatever is possible. Uh, I I want to ask you one more question, which is. What are you reading at the moment? Yeah, uh, recently I become a, uh, became a mother, so I'm not reading as much. Uh, but uh, definitely, what I'm doing these days in terms of reading is um, that I'm reading uh, um, like contemporary uh, uh, interpretations uh, of uh, uh, Marx Capital, <laughs> like David Harvey and uh, some mm. other authors, which are maybe not that. Um, uh, famous in the context of the U.S., but uh, yeah, this is my literature uh, these days. <laughs> but uh, but are you also reading um, small books to your child? There's there's those books too, ah, or, yes. or is he or she too small? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, uh, he's not uh, too small for reading, <laughs> never too small for reading. Yeah, for example, Little Prince, uh, uh, we were uh, reading to him. Uh, yeah, this is also something <laughs> that we that could be something. Well, it's kind of wonderful I asked because I, I also have a child and, you know, books like The Little Prince are, of course, beautiful. I mean, it's a gorgeous mm -hmm. book and, and, and sometimes we get involved in reading them again, right, because of a child, yeah. whereas you might never have picked up The Little Prince again. Uh, yes, definitely. And it, it has a completely different meaning when you're like a, um, yeah, adult. Uh, I mean, it's really interesting to... to Especially, I mean, this book is uh, specific because then you, I mean, you read it as a as a as a kid, um, or somebody reads it uh, to you at the beginning of your life, and then you read it as a as a as a kid, and then you read it to your kid, but then it's like three different books, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. So this, I was thinking about it, um, yeah, uh, previous days about this book, yeah, that it's completely different from what I experienced. Um, I love that. I'll have ago. to. I'll have to reread it now. Um, <laughs> Marta, I want to thank you so much for talking with me today. I want to wish you well with uh, the festival and your film. Thank you so much. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. <laughs> 